Welcome to Rehydrate, a podcast about Lu Xuxin's The Three-Body Problem and the entire Remembrance of Earth's Past series and the upcoming Netflix show. This is Season 1, Episode 4, The Universe Flickers. We, the hosts of this show, are reading the entire series together in episode-sized chunks in preparation for the upcoming series. And currently, we're reading The Three-Body Problem. Each host has a different level of experience with this series, which is a unique proposition and why you should listen to this podcast. I'm Jim. I've read the first book only, but not the second and third books. Hi, I'm Dan. I've read the entire series multiple times. Hi, I'm Tim. I've only uh, read up to the uh, current reading chapters for this week. Hi, this is Amin. I too have only read up to the current chapters. And also, I am co-hosting the Rehydrate spoiler cast, Dan. And if you have read the entire series like Dan, or you don't care about spoilers at all like me, you should also check that out. I also wanted to mention that we started a new Twitter account. So if you are interested in following updates to the show, the Twitter username is RehydratePod. And finally, I uh, wanted to follow up on something that we talked about last week that I was uncertain about at the time. And that was a question, I believe, from Tim asking if uh, Wang Miao showed the film to other people. And I, I went back and reread it. And he did show it to Shen Yufei, but she was not interested. <laughs> she was mostly disinterested in, uh, yeah. in telling him to stop his, his research. Right. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the summary for this episode, which covers chapters 7 through 9 of The Three-Body Problem. So Wang Miao was introduced to the three-body V-suit game, a simulation of a seemingly desolate planet that's inhabited with historical Chinese figures who talk of stable and chaotic eras. These eras are made up of periods of intense cold and heat depending on the apparent random appearance of the sun. In order to cope with the unstable climate, the inhabitants have developed the ability to dehydrate, where they shed all the water from their bodies and transform into two-dimensional skins. Wong continues through the game and learns the goal, to figure out the pattern of the stable and chaotic eras and save the civilization of three-body. Wong's traveling companion, King Wen, travels to King Zhou, who tells him he has figured out the accurate calendar of the stable and chaotic eras. When they are supposed to enter a three-year stable era, King Zhou dramatically orders all of the subjects to rehydrate. However, Wen's calculations are wrong, and after Wang sees three flying stars, there's no sunrise, and the game ends with a message saying, Civilization 137 has been destroyed, covering the entire world in a deep snow. After Wang leaves the game, at the suggestion of Ding Yi, he goes to visit Yang Dong's mother, who turns out to be Ye Wenjie from Red Coast Base. Ye Wenjie is able to arrange a place for Wang to observe the cosmic microwave background, as Shen Yufei had asked him to do previously. At the observatory, Wang meets with Sha Ru Shen, a former student of Ye Wenjie who allows Wang to observe the background radiation of the universe, but is skeptical that he'll actually observe any change, let alone the 5% that Wang is anticipating that he will see. At the time, Wang has been told he does indeed see the background radiation start to fluctuate and flicker. Sha is initially skeptical, but confirms it with the other reading stations. Wang observes the wavelengths and uses the Morse code to decode the signal, which corresponds back to the same countdown that he previously saw. After leaving the observatory and feeling overwhelmed with what he'd just seen, he is met by Dasher, who tells him, ha ha, another one bites the dust. 
when we started this podcast, I had no idea what the name of this podcast meant, so I was glad to finally figure that out. I thought the rehydrating concept was was really interesting and clever. One thing I wondered about was um, was where does all the water come from to rehydrate everyone? <laughs> like it assumes that there's no evaporation or anything else from when they dehydrate. So that was one question I had, and now I understand why we're called rehydrate. Yeah, they, I think they've mentioned that they throw all the bodies into a lake or something, and that's how they actually rehydrate all the bodies. After they rehydrated some of the bodies, some of them are missing arms or fingers or anything. And during the chaotic eras, they actually like eat the bodies and like burn them for warmth. So it's not totally safe to be dehydrated, but I guess it's safer than being in the, the brutal cold of no sun for you know months or however long. Yeah, I understood the part where they rehydrate them in a lake. I guess my question was, how do the water levels change with all these people being rehydrated? And if you're hmm. the last one in the lake, you only get partially rehydrated. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a lossy decompression of sorts. Yeah, people get messed up and some people don't get dehydrated at all. But but the of course, the, the, the bigger issue here is, is this a real world? And therefore, do you guys think that the, the water cycle comes into play here or you think there's just some function somewhere that just says, uh, just just rehydrate the sky. Yeah, as far as we know, it's just a game mechanic, right? <laughs> the, the water is just infinite. And they're like, oh, let's put them in the water and they, they rehydrate the bodies. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't think too much of, like, I, I kind of assumed that this was just sort of a creative license to by whoever designed this game to represent the players persisting across the chaotic period. You know, I guess we don't know exactly who developed this game, but I'm assuming it's something developed by the frontiers of science. This seems to me like this is some sort of hypothesis as to what is going on with the universe. And I guess I'm like me piecing together from what I know so far, combining this and the chapter earlier about the shooter farmer model is that I'm, I'm making the guess at this point that the, you know, that the like central like crisis or that we're dealing with so far is that the whole thing with like physics, you know, ceasing to work as we expected and that the universe is about to like essentially go into like a chaotic period and that physics and the state of the universe as we understand it is like coming to an end because our civilization has like grown up in this period, just kind of assuming that this is how things work and that it's not and that maybe it this the stable and chaotic eras are kind of representing that human civilization has lived in a stable period and it is coming to an end and this game seems to be like their way of maybe just like hypothesis or try like like a canvas in which it maybe play out or try to figure out patterns or try to play out how to solve this or what to do to prevent it well i think the, the issue is that i think all of us know why it's right. happening so it's okay. hard to, it's hard to say without spoiling anything Whatever the actual case is, though, that is a good point about there being sort of a parallel there between things happening in the game and things that, you know, the general of the, the council of important guys was talking about. Mm. Um, right. And, so that yeah, I, mean, I didn't notice before. So that that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I read this. That's kind of what I think is happening here at this point, that the universe we're essentially in a stable era of the universe and it's coming to, and that's why frontiers of science think that physics is going awry and what is going to happen and how do we stop it? So. So you mean that it's like, it's like an analogy for like where we are as a, as 
yeah on earth right now like so you're saying like in the, yeah in the or this, this yeah. yeah well i mean the, no i mean the state of the you know wherever they're at in the in the book at the moment that there's like signs that like you know we're, we're essentially about to come out of a stable era into chaotic era and that's that's how i'm reading this game the scientists observing this kind of created this game as a way to like hypothesize about that maybe i'm completely wrong but yeah that's kind of how i've read this up to this point what the no, point I, I, of this game is yeah, in a sense, that's really what's happening to us for real, except on a, a greater time scale. Like, sure. In a, yeah. in a billion years, the surface of the Earth's temperature will be like 320 Kelvin or something like that. And then well, yeah, it will be like a... quadrillions of years before you have another chance. So, Well, yeah, in a sense. But I mean, it's not quite the yeah. same in that, like, yes, eventually, like our sun will supernova. And I guess the way the game, it seems like it's more chaotic than that, that yeah, but it, yeah, like, we, we, we understand that, we understand the yeah. Earth is going to come to an end, you know, because of just observable things that we know about how the universe works, that stars eventually supernova and this or that. This seems like something else is going on, something more unpredictable and chaotic, or we, we've just now, like, developed the technology to maybe, like, see into that. The same way as civilization on top of a volcano, like, once they develop understanding of like tectonics and you know, seismology would then have the way to understand that they are living on top of a, a potential volcano that might blow up and kill them all the, there's like a little bit more awareness of the situation like the, your your volcano analogy there like there's a little bit more awareness of like the citizens there because they have developed the ability to rehydrate based off of the era right so maybe be analogous to like they, I don't know. They're, they're able to like withstand the heat from the, the lava from the volcano or something. But it, yeah, I think it's an interesting uh, take on on what what it potentially means for sure. The other thing I, I thought was interesting is if you accept that this is either an extremely thoroughly simulated world or it is a real world or so, that's you know, being depicted in a video game, you have to sort of give a work of science fiction a little bit of room to uh, do things that are not likely, but the evolution of something that could dehydrate and rehydrate, that ending, what do you guys think the chances of that ending in something that actually really resembles humans would be like? Not the part about the, the Chinese warring states, but something that communicates with words and all that. That to me seems, seems unlikely, but science fiction. Do you mean like that the body turn into like two-dimensional skins that look like humans still and then like they're able to rehydrate into human-like bodies well so there's no way that if they started out as humanoid type things that they would be able to evolve dehydrating and rehydrating in time but you could evolve that if at the point where you start at the single cell life form you could you could definitely evolve i mean not definitely but it's more likely that you could evolve like a single cell life form that could dehydrate and successfully rehydrate. I think there are actually really simple life forms that can like go dormant like that for a long time and come back. Um, what are those, those little things that they're called the water bears? Um, oh, tardigrades. Yeah. Tardigrades. Yeah. Tardigrades can go dormant for a long time and come back. Right. So if you branch off really early in, you know, the evolutionary tree there, I think you could go from there and develop something really complex. I just think it's like based on what we know today, it would end up very different from guys that talk and communicate with words and, uh, and, and care about each things. other and kinds of, you know, <laughs> uh, right. Right. And in fact, I think the most likely outcome is 
you just get all these single cell life forms that would just dehydrate and rehydrate. Right. And that would be the end of it. But that's less cool to read about. So you guys are convincing me that the mechanics of this, like, dehydrating and rehydrating bodies are more central to the story or, like, the science, like, under, you know, the science fiction here than I had initially thought. Again, at this point, I'm just, like, this dehydrating, rehydrating thing just seems like a, like, like I said, like a creative conceit by whoever designed this game. Same thing with the Chinese, uh, you know, historical figures, like, this is just window dressing for this game, and I, I didn't read really too much into it. I'm just sort of riffing. I can't actually remember um, <laughs> if, if, if um, uh, I can't really go into like, this, uh, going to spoiler territory, but I got you. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think you're going to be able to figure out things from our discussion just okay. by, just via emphasis. So the next thing I wanted to bring up as a talking point was when we get actually get to the part where Wang Miao gets to the observatory, they get pretty technical about how the background radiation works. This is indicative of how the story is kind of going to unfold in some parts where it gets super technical about some things. So I guess, how did you guys feel about that? Did you enjoy that part of it? Did it make the story more immersive by learning those more technical details about it? Or did it take you out of it, be like, now I'm reading like a textbook about background radiation of the universe? I wouldn't say it took me out of it, but it's just typical with a lot of hard sci-fi that they kind of have to do their scientific flourishes at certain points to establish that this is indeed hard sci-fi, I think. And it gave context for why the radiation glasses work the way they do. It established that this isn't just some magical, ridiculous device that can see radiation. I agree. And I think as much as we like dunking on the writing in this, I thought this exposition was less clumsy than some of the other expositions. So I didn't mind it. And it generally aligned with my understanding on, I know nothing about interstellar radiation, but it generally aligned with what little I do know. And I also didn't do any additional research to, to learn more about it along the way. But I thought it made sense where it is. And for general reading population, you have to explain some of these things. So the next thing I want to bring up as a topic for all of us to discuss was the fact that the three body game, the V-Suit game is actually a game that, you know, maybe as one the four of us as being gamers, like might actually play. Uh, it seems to be at least from this chapter, kind of like a, a way to solve scientific problems in a historical context by talking to some of the historical Chinese figures that Wang Miao might know, and then they come up with a calendar and try to figure out like when the stable and chaotic eras are, are starting and ending. So would this be a kind of game that you guys would play? Well, sure, of course. They've got this fancy VR haptic suit on. Yeah. <laughs> What part of the game was interesting to you? This seems like sort of like an MMO, right? Where you could talk to other yeah. people and they kind of like figure like out weird... scientific problems. Yeah, or if it's a weird clandestine second life type thing, except entirely in VR. I don't know if we ever discussed exactly what time frame this like, is supposed to be like present day or near future. It's, it can't it's... be too far because there was some passage about the Indian Ocean tsunami happening more than a decade ago. That yeah. was like 2007 or something like that. So yeah. I guess that's like right about now. I think the book was written like 10 years ago. I think it was written then, but like it's supposed to be about now or yeah. It, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's it, ha it has that present day with like more. Yeah, it has technology. that. Right, it has that feel of the slightly retro-futuristic type thing. Yeah, where it's like, this is what people 10 years ago think 10 years from now or 12 years from now, technology is going to be like. Let's call it a 20XT6. Yeah. <laughs> 20X. Jim, you're more of a casual gamer, right, these days? Uh, <laughs> oh, damn. I guess I am. No, you're I, the, well, you're the casual. You know, on the other hand, 
<laughs> there's no graphics, so I don't know if I would play it. Nor is there any gunplay, so I don't know there if is I could play Well, there it. is graphics. Everything's being rendered around, you know. Well, I don't yeah, know what the... Full... There's no screenshots in the book, so... Oh, well, yeah, I'm not but... going to play it until I see some awesome graphics. Yeah, I was actually curious about, like, whether or not... It's a weird thing to be curious about, but is... So the time passage is very strange in that, right? It's just like all of a sudden, yeah. eighteen hours pass. All of a yeah. sudden, like six months pass, and it's like, are you chatting yeah, in obvious, real time? Or... Yeah, yeah. There's obvious time dilation going on there. I don't think he perceives that. I think it's. I don't know if it's fast forwarding. It's, it, it, yeah, you know. it must be it right because yeah, he talks yeah. about it, how like one of the guys he was walking with had the sand, um... like the hourglass that there was yeah, like the, the eight. That, well, the, yeah. well, the eight sand glasses that you know you right, flip it right, over right. and can like recommend. And you can see yeah. that going back and forth really fast as they're like walking. It's like, oh, it's going to, yeah. and especially when they get to the calendar and they talk about how, oh, you're going to have eight days of stable and then like two days of chaotic and back and forth. And like yeah. they're able to pass through that really quickly and not just wait for it. He's not stuck in the view suit for months. My yeah. perception is that he's in there like for a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. It, it's like most people don't care about this. It's not that important to the story, but it'd be interesting to see how the game decides this is the part you play. This is an event that matters. Yeah. And this is just time dilation time. Because if the chat is in in game, right, not outside of the game, like on Discord or something like that, then that really does matter, right? Because if you're able to get this information from people only while you're actually, you know, rehydrated and stuff like that, then like it's probably kind of a weird experience to watch. You know, if you ever played a game where there's like long parts where you don't do anything, Although some people like that, right? But I personally hate that. Like, you're <laughs> just watching. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like if you're playing like The Sims or something, and your your character goes to work, and you it just goes into fast forward mode while the time passes, and then it slows down when you want to take control of them again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, That's would you play a game like again. this? I don't think this you're... is my thing. Well, again, I don't. Th I, I guess I I don't necessarily think of this like again as like a game. I think it's like an experiment or like a like Westworld. It's not like an experiment on humans. It, it feels like it's a collaborative thing, and they're kind of running this simulation in order to solve a problem, or they're running models of what they think is happening, or maybe they know what's happening, or they have the information to accurately model it, but now they have to, you know, figure out the patterns. I don't. I, I guess my question is more around, like, even besides that, you know, yeah. a game where you are solving scientific problems in VR. Is that something that'd be interesting to, to you? It seemed, I mean, the concept seemed interesting to me. It seems like the, it wasn't like a chat, like a Discord chat. It was like they're talking to other people and like trying to figure out, or not even yeah. trying to figure, they weren't, they weren't really collaborating. He was mostly just listening <laughs> for this one to what the guy had uh, right. come up with. But, you know, it seems like the, that's the spirit of the game is to yeah. try to figure out, like, I think they specifically said, like, that's the goal of the game is to figure out how the stable and chaotic errors work. Right. So expanding on that, one of the other segments that we have on the show is talking about how it would be filmed. And so I think last episode, it would have been pretty easy to film, mostly just long meal walking around and the yeah. numbers. But this one really, really expands on the kind of the visual element of how it would show on the screen. So I think this is really when it's going to start getting getting weird. And I don't know if they're going to have the VR world look like... They kind of have to. I think this is going to be where a lot of their budget goes into <laughs> At least so far. But yeah, I'm doubly interested to see how they... I want to see what dehydrating and rehydrating people looks like and if it's some goofy or weird and they make it really disturbing looking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Benioff and Weiss, so like maybe they'll make it really bloody and like all the blood <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, when I was reading this, I, I was thinking like, that's got to smell really bad. 
<laughs> oh, uh, pushing all your fluids outside of you. Yeah. Like, oh. I still don't get a, have a quite a clear concept of how important the dehydrating and rehydrating part is to this, or why they would if they're building this get you know like why they would bother to model the smell of uh, <laughs> of bodily fluids. But uh, yeah, to me it was just like another way to show the extreme heat and cold and how the people need to react yeah. to that extreme heat and cold by kind of evolving into being able to dehydrate and, and then rehydrate. I think for the most part, to me, you know, I'm, I haven't I've never made a movie. I think Amina's made a movie though, but it seems like there's definitely templates to go after to, to do most of this stuff. The way I was visualizing it in my mind as I was like reading it is they really talked about like the landscape being very desolate and, and Spartan because of all the extreme heat and, and cold. And then they had like some structures in the landscape, right? So I, I guess I was like envisioning like kind of a grid overlay. Like if you think of like old school VR, like the Star Wars one where it had like the grids like kind of making up the 3D elements. That's right. how I was envisioning in my mind. Um, I don't know that it would look good, but that's how I thought about it as I was reading it. Yeah, I don't know how I'd, exactly I would envision it. Whether whether this would be like realistically, like real life render, you know, like it would look like you know real life until weird shit starts happening, or if it's going to look obviously like a game or you know computer graphics or something like that. I mean, given the time frame we're talking about, if this is roughly current day, our hardware can't render completely photorealistic graphics, but you know it's way better than the mid '90s lawnmower man type stuff. Like. <laughs> Yeah, when I was reading this, I was actually imagining that kind of thing. Pre-original uh, World of Warcraft type graphics, you know, things yeah. that are obviously just Yeah, it's like, like we don't have the technology, and if they tr if they were trying to, like, if they were going to set the show in contemporary times and at least make it true to life to our level of technology, you can't, you'd have to do something like that. And I guess it also begs the question is, whoever created this game, did they care about rendering realism until gets weird like people get dehydrated or is it gonna was that a design consideration for them and do they just you know is it just gonna be a weird abstracted thing and it's more about the mechanics of the game than the visuals of it i think they did talk about getting context clues out of the world itself in order to solve that problem yeah um, he never yeah, yeah he, i guess he never makes the wang never makes the observation that looks weird or like computer because he actually says like when he first meets the two characters and all that he's, they said that they're in tattered robes or something like that and it's like covered in dirty animals so there's a certain level of fidelity there that made them sound like they were realistic as opposed to world of warcraft characters right <laughs> i think in the world of warcraft you can have dirt on you though sure but yeah it's yeah, so I don't know. I guess yeah, maybe maybe they could go for. I wonder if it would come off better if they use something lower res though, in, in a movie or a TV series. The, the probably like the easier challenge was the the later chapters, right, where he sees the universe flickering. I mean, I pretty much just saw that as him looking at a. Uh, some the first red part stuff anyway, like, yeah looking at like a oscilloscope or something and seeing like the, the radiation fluctuate and seeing it like jump up really quickly and then yeah he puts on the was it 3k glasses um yeah. and then uh seeing the actual just like the stars flicker right so that seems like easier to me to to film and, and more in, the, in line with the other the other chapters i don't know about for filming but I imagine that as, I don't know if you guys remember the Nintendo Virtual Boy, which was that. <laughs> yeah. Which was oh, that. Re yeah, Red. I was thinking of yes, that too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's how I envisioned that whole experience when he put on his glasses. Yeah. yeah. Red and black flicker. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Predator Vision or something like that. Mm. Uh, infrared. A bunch of swirls turning off, turning on. Yeah. Yeah. You could save some budget just by painting stars on a ceiling, dark room, turning the lights on and off. 
Yeah. Well, the text the text made it sound like when he was looking through the headset that it, it made the sky basically turn red and that it was like he couldn't quite make out like stars or anything like anymore, but that some sort of like pulse or something like that, that the red shifted or something like that or changed color in some way because it was like calibrated to render this kind of color when things were normal and then when it fluctuated. I don't know. It seems like a ripple, like a weird color ripple in the sky or something like that. Yeah. Like an aurora in a red sky. Yeah, I think this may be one of these things that is probably better left in book form. Because there's just going to be all these handholds to make fun of (laughs) when you film it, I think. Not not that that those don't exist here, but... Okay, well, thanks for listening. Please join us for the next episode. Episode 5, Dasher, where we will be reading chapters 10 through 11 of The Three-Body Problem.